Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This podcast is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening here today. Sovereignty was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Reclaim Me. I'm your host, Madeline Heather. Reclaim Me is a true crime podcast told by those at the centre of those crimes, the victim survivors. The general public often hears stories of victim survivors through the lenses of perpetrators or the media. And we're changing that narrative here. These interviews are raw and honest, so a word of warning is necessary as discussion and topics may be triggering or distressing for some listeners, so please use your discretion. If you need help or support, please see the suggested resources in the show notes of this episode or contact your local crisis, crisis, or contact your local crisis service. Now on to the show. fam and welcome to another episode of Reclaim Me. I'm so excited about this week's guest but before I get to introduce them I just wanted to do some little reminders at the beginning of this episode. Now number one is that we are a reminder that in the show notes of this episode you can access the link tree slash my brand new website which has just launched. Round of applause for me, thank you. Um, and I want you to go and have a squeeze through there. There's a heap of resources and some of the things that you can get for yourself, which are free to access, are things like the Survivor Support Network, which is a peer networking uh, group for people. Um, a lot of people are just posting questions or posting opinions or sharing pictures of their animals, and it's a really wonderful space to come and connect. So please join us there. You can also uh, follow the Spotify playlist that I've created. And if you get in contact with me and you would like to submit some songs for yourself that mean something to you, we can absolutely do that too. So go check it out. There's quite a few people following it now and everyone's contributed. So please go and give that a listen as well. And again, just at the top of this episode, a reminder that if you haven't already, can you please, 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 please go rate the podcast, review the podcast, share it with somebody that you know on any platform that you possibly can. Make sure you subscribe on the socials and so that you know when new episodes come. 
it means the world to me uh, to be able to continue to do this podcast and I can't do it unless I continue to to grow it to more people and I would love to see that happen and I can't do that without you. So please, if you can and if you love this podcast, please share it um, and support me as much as you possibly can. Thank you all so much. I appreciate you. Also, today is a very lovely and unique episode. Uh, today I'm going to be joined by Marika Freund, who is an amazing woman, and she has created something that is very unique. I'm going to let her introduce it so that I don't butcher it, but a lot of what we talk about through this episode is laughter and loneliness, and I think it's an incredible aspect and way to turn the conversations that we are having about assault and trauma and to be able to take control in a different way through laughter and creativity in a different aspect as well. So many people have a longing for something more following their abuse or assault or trauma. And for everybody that doesn't look like activism, for everybody that doesn't look like the justice system, and I think Marika's approach and what she is doing is just so inspirational and so just bloody heartwarming. Uh, We laughed a lot through this episode. She's a wonderful person. She also has a podcast which we have linked in the show notes of this episode as well. So make sure that you go follow and support her as well. But for now, welcome, Marika. Welcome. Do you mind introducing yourself? Hi, my name is Marika Freund. And I, um, my life has also been affected by sexual assault. Um, but my approach to it, I feel like, is a little bit different Um or maybe not. Actually, you know, I don't even know that it's not. I just, I really am interested in redirecting the conversation so that this subject matter, which is very sticky and very heavy, can feel safer to engage with. And so I am an actor, an artist, creator, whatever labels. I, I hate labels. <laughs> um, so I'm a, I guess a creator is the best way um, way for me to say it. And I've just finished season one of a podcast uh, called Peaches, which is dedicated to everything I learned while dedicating my life to never being raped again. And now I have a play also called Peaches in development. And it is about a young woman coming back to acting after an unwanted seven-year hiatus. Only there's a catch. She has to audition for the role of Harvey Weinstein. And the play is meant to be a funny exploration about a woman who is forced to step into the shoes of her attacker. Um, And I I really love exploring the subject matter through humor because I feel like it is, I don't know, like the WD-40 or like the oil that that stops things from being so sticky Um, and it creates um, a safe environment to actually approach the subject matter in a way that doesn't feel like you're going to get attacked. I think that, I think that a lot of people are scared they're going to get attacked when they bring up the subject matter. Um, And so there's, so yeah, that's sort of my, that's my jam right now is making this sticky subject matter safe and approachable. I love that so much. And I've enjoyed uh, like chatting with you and getting to know you a little bit since we met a oh, while likewise. ago. 
because it's just so true. We need to have some moments of levity and there is like a danger, I guess, that some people might be offended or um, that you might, you know, cover something. And I think it's, it's a fine line sometimes, you know, between a good SNL skit and a bad one. And when, but when we're talking about the subject matter, I often find that a lot of the focus goes on what the attacker did and what they did and how it was so bad. And we're losing that element of, oh my gosh, what happened to the person? Are they okay? And are we taking care of them properly so that they feel safe? And so a lot of this play is about me, even though it's about me having to step into the role of Harvey Weinstein. Um, it's so funny when I was just finishing up um, the first draft of the play and I, I, have, I had to create this monologue, this Harvey Weinstein monologue. And I know like now, now that I have the monologue, I, a lot of the play is going to shift, but I was, I just didn't know. I was like, how am I going to step into the mind of this man? I was like, okay, Mark, I just Google Harvey Weinstein. And he had done an interview actually in 2019 and he was just quoted through the whole thing. And I said, thank you whoever, whatever angels or ghosts or whoever is with me right now, because it wrote itself. I would just copy and paste everything he said. So I was like, really, um, for me, creatively a blessing that he was um, such a nightmare in this interview. Um, and, uh, and I can poke fun of something that really actually happened. Yeah. You're quoting, but we can laugh at it. And I think that's amazing. Um, I think it's really incredible also to have not only the podcast and have like this really creative interpretation on how to tell these stories. And I would be so excited to come and see your show. Like it, it oh makes my me gosh, almost, I would love to have you there. Yeah. It makes me almost cry with butterflies. Cause like, I just find you so funny and I just know that you oh, would bring you. so much fun to a horrible topic, but I think as well, like it creates a safety and um, like I was just telling you before, my parents and I are going to therapy together and it's really nice to be able to attend that together. And you just so get this, nice. like, you get this like new understanding. And I think the the thought that they had had about what therapy would be is like, it's this place where you go and lay down on a couch and it's, it's horribly serious. Like, but it's not, it's a really light and nice environment. There's no blaming. There's no shaming. It's just about a place where you can have someone help you navigate conversations. And I think that's it as well. Like creating different spaces allow different people to engage with the content in a different way. Some people don't want to confront this topic because it's too hard. Some people are too triggered and some people who are supporters of other people don't want to hear about it all so much. And it's a way to engage with such a wider group of people as well through comedy as well. I think it's just so creative and amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, there's my main audience right now, um, and I'm learning this through having now put the podcast out and like slowly having more people listening to it, is also um largely identifying women who don't identify as a survivor they just don't want to fit into whatever that new mold that has been created is um after the me too movement erupted in 2017 um i know that the me too movement happened long before 2017 it just sort of blew up with the harvey weinstein scandal um 
but I'm talking to more and more women um, who feel really relieved and open to talking about their experiences finally, because it means that they can talk about it, but still work towards living a life that is rich and full and diverse. And doesn't mean that they have to wear the scarlet letter S on their cardigan and warn people like, oh, I'm a survivor before we go into a conversation. They want to be, they want to be, I don't know how else to say this. So it, and if it comes out the wrong way, I, many apologies, but normal people um, where it's like this horrible thing happened, but they don't want it to define who they are and who they show up as in the world. And that for me has been the biggest challenge because um, I feel like it is a really important subject and we do need to talk about it because there are still so many barriers to entry um, in terms of what information is there and how we understand it. Um, But I found that once I started talking about it, I fell into this box that I don't feel like I fit in at all. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. I think if people do identify that way and find meaning in that identification. It's really beautiful and fantastic, but it's not for everybody. So I'm finding that um, it's been really not just cathartic for me, but I have like really beautiful coffee dates with people now who open up and share with me their stories because they know that at the end of the conversation, I'm not going to say something like, Oh, we're survivors in this together. And um do you know what I mean? Like it's, um, it can feel a bit like, just, um, oh, I don't know. I want to say like airy fairy hoity toity, a, a little bit like almost disingenuous sometimes. Cause it's so fluffy. There's so much fluff around some of it as well, but to be able to navigate real conversations. And that's really why I started this podcast as well, because yeah. I want the conversations to not be, um, you know, tailored and picked apart by an editor that picks out the most salacious aspects and you know spearheads that five in a five minute interview from a two-hour conversation kind of thing I wanted the pub conversation the cafe conversation the bit where like your horrible humor comes through as well because that's one of the funny things about you know and sometimes podcasting can be that difficult medium right when you're laughing and you can see each other and you're laughing together, but it might come across a bit fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And that's kind of always, like, I've always had the, I grew up watching Jim Carrey and wanting to be just like him as a kid. Um, Dumb and Dumber was my my holy (laughs) grail as a child. And so I've always been interested in comedy and also kind of outrageous comedy and, um, sometimes inappropriate comedy because I, I I like pushing the boundary. I like pushing the edge, but you know, it didn't actually always feel safe to do. Um, Like a big part of my story is there was a publication ban on my name after I came forward. Um, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, uh, my side did not win, like in the traditional sense. Um, my attacker was, or dude, as I call him in the podcast, dude was found not guilty. His defense counsel was able to create a reasonable doubt. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? <laughs> about me having um, <laughs> that dark sense of humor as well. Oh, yeah. 
I, you know what? I don't remember what point I was going to make. It'll come back to me. No, I love it. But this is like as well, because this is a real conversation, right? And it's a part of like when you have that one-to-one or that group of people who have been sadly abused by people and they they have that commonality in their experience. So many conversations that I have are hysterically laughing at the most inappropriate jokes. And you can make them with other people who have experienced that too, because there's a safety there. It's not yeah being made in jest. It's being able to like wholeheartedly navigate a situation and be able to laugh at the utter absurdity and how disgraceful some things are. And sometimes I don't want to cry about what happened to me. Sometimes I don't want to be mad about what happened to me. Sometimes I want to laugh at the absolute utter absurdity of the system and people around me and laugh at them and laugh with my friends around me. And that feels more powerful sometimes. And I go back to that. I think it's that Maya Angelou quote where it's just like, um, women are, men are afraid women will laugh at them. Women are afraid men will kill them. And I'm like, how can we flip that on its head? Because if that's what offenders are afraid of, I would like to make that a reality for them. I would like to laugh at them and make them feel like fucking pieces of shit. Like, I want to laugh at you because you're a joke. It, no, it totally, it's such a, and also like, it's such a dinky, leany move to do what they did. It's like nobody, nobody in their, Nobody in their own power needs to rape somebody to get their genitals wet. You know, it's like, so it's honestly just such a a loser weenie move. And I wish that, um, I wish that we could start seeing it that way. Um, I remember what I was going to (laughs) say. This is like, I love this. Um, it's that, um, it didn't feel safe for me to be myself for a very long time after this happening. Um, and I was very much, um, ostracized by an entire community of people for even just saying that it happened. Um, and this was long before I came forward. Um, and so a lot of this, like the podcast and this work is, is also me coming back to myself and it feels so liberating to be able to take what happened to me something that I don't want to say it destroyed me because I'm I'm here but it's something that feels like like people kind of it it did feel like people took the opportunity to like kind of kick me while I was down um and that I had to behave a certain way in order to make it through um the trial system safely um and I had to keep my mouth shut for a long time because it was illegal for me to, to speak about my experience in court because of the publication ban. Um, and so coming back to this and laughing about it and trying to make it funny, at first it was really scary. It was really scary for me to start putting out these podcasts and make them funny and um, put myself into it. And I was actually went back and listened to the first three episodes because it'd been so long since I recorded them. Um, I listened yesterday so that I just, they were fresh in my mind and listening to them as I am now, there's some stuff I would tweak and there's some different edits I would make, but without those like versions of the podcast, I would not be 
who I am today. And like, they are, they actually are very good. And I, I think that they're revolutionary. That could just be me though. I mean, I might start getting some like really like, no, they're not comments on. <laughs> no, you should always be able to call yourself revolutionary and something oh, that you've created. You, That's amazing. We're women as well. Um, so we so tend to be like, oh, you know, I'm not good enough. Or, you know, you've got that narrative in the back of your mind. So even just to hear you be yeah. proud of what you've created is fucking awesome to hear. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I'm so proud of them and I'm so proud of the imperfections because it was me putting myself out there. Um, and as you, if, if you listen through, I mean, chapter seven is the, the chapter I was working myself up to. Um, and chapter seven actually is where I talk about my anger. Um, because I did actually receive a lot of flack from producers for having versions of my pilot not being angry enough um, because they really thought that I didn't understand what happened to me because I wasn't (laughs) infusing it with the traditional anger that is in that survivor box that um, I don't feel I fit into. Um, But again, it's totally okay. If other people fit into it, it's just, I never found my place there. Um, but my anger is actually with the women in my community who turned their back on me after the happening. And I was so afraid to get to this point that I felt like I had to do a bunch of lead up six episodes of your chapters of lead up, um, to safely say why I was angry. And so I have some um, chapters that talk about, you know, the conundrums of the deeply traumatized and the things that go through our mind um, when we're getting ready to tell our story. Um, And that we like this decision doesn't just come lightly. Um, I talk about, you know, what I explain the legal system. A lot of people don't actually understand the legal system, especially in Canada. I don't know if it's the same in Australia. Yeah, I mean, each area is so different and it just depends how you're entering it, why you're entering it, what age you're entering it. Like, it is really confusing. But, yeah, what was it like where you were? Um, so first I had to decide that I wanted to come forward. Um, I actually didn't want to come forward. I was really happy with the new life I'd built for myself. Um, I was playing... I was playing a version of myself that was, um, and I fully committed very into new age spirituality. I really, um, really dove in head first. Uh, I actually ended up in a bit of a cult like situation, um, because I got to the point where I believed that it was my energy that was attracting the multiple rapes that I had encountered in my life. Um, and so I became, very superstitious. Um, I, uh, you know, with that experience and looking back, I do think that a lot of this new age stuff is hurting feminism in a very significant way. Um, but I'd become a bit new age. I was working in business development. Um, I had new friends. Um, it was a very, it was a very superficial existence because it was really like I cut off a big part of myself because I didn't feel like it was safe to be myself because every time I was myself, I would get raped. Um, 
So I had found a new character who was living this world in this world in a way that felt safe. Um, I wasn't myself, but nobody was attacking me. And so that was really important and awesome. Um, but the dude um, actually also went to the new age a couple of years after I did, after the community we once shared. Finally, ousted him because he enough women were telling the same story as me. Um, And we took different routes where I felt more like um, uh, I was a lot more. uh, I didn't find a place of power in it. I was following something in order to be safe um, like a like a peasant within the new age community, almost like that sort of um, like lowly, um, lowly humble servant mentality. And he decided to transform himself into a vegan guru. Right. And so he, um, uh, and, and it, it's really interesting to me that we both found the Kool Aid and drank it and it had different, very different effects. Um, but he saw me in the park one day while I was eating a sandwich with a friend and he rode up to me, jumped off of his bike and just spread his arms out open big and wide. Like he wanted me to give him a hug. Like he was some sort of Jesus figure and I, you know, I have this sandwich. I'm sitting beside someone who has no idea who this guy is. Um, and I was like, listen, I'm not going to hug you. And he starts saying, high five, high five, high five, high five. And he was so adamant about this high five that I gave it to him. And it was like, oh, like, sort of like, oh, like took me back to that moment. And he said, I'm so happy. I knew I was going to run into you. I knew that the universe would bring us together. I wanted you to know that I'm just so grateful for what happened. And you showed me that I hated myself and now I love myself. I love myself because of you. It it was just like on this other level, it was like the pendulum had really swung. And then he got on his bike and he rode away. And it was the most bizarre jarring experience and I just I thought I've never been accosted by positivity like that before and even though it was in a quote loving end quote place um it felt scary and he kept trying to he sort of kept trying to show up in my life more um and he'd always been sort of popping in and out trying to trying to attempt to redirect the narrative. And so then I had a friend, a friend's husband reach out to him and just say, listen, like, please just don't reach out to Marika anymore. If you, if she has another interaction with you, she, she just is going to have to go to the police. She just wants to be left alone. Just leave her alone. Um, apparently what he said back was that um, there was something wrong with my aura and that that's why I couldn't just forgive him. And so I was like, okay, he'll just like, let it go. He knows now I'll go to the police um, if anything happens. And that's that. But then a few weeks after the Harvey Weinstein scandal broke out, I got a text message from an unknown number 
that said, I forgive you for what happened that night. And yeah, there was like a bunch of other stuff. And I said, who is this? And he said his name. And then he uh, said he was, you know, he just had to speak his mind before he leaves the country for a bit. Um, But basically he implied that I should be thanking him for the spiritual growth I was able to experience from the happening. And I sat with it for 24 hours and I was like, okay, so I'm really afraid that we have somebody here who will spike the Kool-Aid at a yoga retreat if I don't say anything. And two, I made a promise to myself that if I heard from him again, I would go to the police because this is going to keep happening. Yeah. And I can't keep living like this. And so I called the Toronto police and I sort of explained what happened and what I needed. And then they transferred me to another line. And then I explained the same thing again. And they said, okay, well, now you have to give your testimony to some police officers who are going to come to your home. And so then to actually, I have to, I'm in a very rare situation. The police officers who came to my home were amazing. This is not, this is not the normal, uh, the normal situation for a lot of people. Um, but the police officers were wonderful. I showed them the text messages um, and they were just as concerned as I was, which was relieving for me because I didn't know if it was just my trauma coming through or if it was actually that this person could potentially be dangerous. And um, and then they took me to the police station where I did the same thing all over again for a detective. And then they did an investigation for three weeks and then they called me and said they interviewed enough people and they came to the conclusion for themselves that they wanted to arrest this guy and he agreed to turn himself in. And so that's how the whole thing started. Um, I ended up, went to a preliminary hearing first. Um, Those happened in Canada. Um, um, with a provincial judge, and there are only four indictable offenses. Indictable offenses are offenses that, like, if the person's found guilty, they'll go to prison. Prison for it, yeah. Um, yeah, and so the whole trial is basically to make sure that there's enough evidence to justify how much money it's going to cost to go to, in Canada, the Superior Court of Justice. Because taking something to trial is very expensive. So you need a crazy amount of evidence. Um, And in the preliminary hearings, usually only the most important evidence is brought forward. And in the case of a sexual assault, it's usually the victim telling their story. And so first I tell my story with my crown attorney, and then I get cross-examined by, I got cross-examined by Dutes um, legal counsel. And um, yeah, after five hours on the stand, the judge decided that um, that he should be tried in in the Superior Court of Justice um, on two indictable offenses. Um, One was for administering a stupefying substance with the intent to rape. 
And then the other one was to rape. So for both drugging and, um, and then raping. Um, yeah. And then, um, and then finally it went to uh, the Superior Court of Justice, but in the, in between, um, I don't know if many people know about this in Canada, it was a really big thing because of the Giambo Meshi trial. I don't know if that was a big deal in Australia. No, I've not heard if of that you before. It. Um, so he's a, like a Canadian media personality and I, I believe an ex member of Motley Crue. Um, right. Yeah. And he, um, he was charged, um, but he was found not guilty and didn't have to appear on the stand because they got a third, um, third party record. Oh gosh. Basically it's an application that allows the defense to go into the private records of the witnesses, um, in order to gain more evidence to show that they might be lying or trying to frame the person, um, a third party records application. I, I'm pretty sure that's what it's, what it's called. Um, so they applied for a third party records application to access my private files. Um, so would that be like your yeah. therapy notes and doctors? Therapy notes, text messages, emails, Facebook, everything, doctors, appointments, um, uh, they backed out, but it, it's a, it's a very common scare tactic because it's at this point, um, with the way the legal system is set up, at least in Canada, there is so little support for the victims, um, and the witnesses that it is very easy, um, for the defense to scare them out of wanting to go to court. Um, and it was really that moment when I found out that they were that they were going to be applying for it really broke me because I had so little support in my life. I'd just broken free of this sort of cult like situation I was in. Um, uh, and because of that, like, I didn't even know, like, it was such a, a bizarre experience that I didn't even know if I was even allowed or worthy to pray to God. So it's like, like, is anybody here to help me? Um, so I just finished the preliminary hearing. Um, I had moved again, like everything in my life had just fallen apart. And, and then all of a sudden this third party record application gets slapped down. And that was a real turning point for me in finding strength in myself. Um, because it was a moment where I had nothing. Like I really felt like I had nothing. Um, there was, there was no corner for me to be safe in because if this dude was going to be able to access all of my private files and records, then like, what was I like, who was I and, and what was I and what was mine and what it, what is anything? And it just was, became this existential crisis. And um, I remember getting on my hands and knees and I, I was just bawling my eyes out. I was on my hands and knees. Um, my mattress was on the floor of my dad's new place. Um, I, I remember exactly what it was I was wearing. Um, I was like wearing this white long sleeve t-shirt and gray track, track pants. 
And I just put my hands up in the air and I just said, okay, I don't know who's out there. I don't know who's listening, but I'm alone and I'm scared and I don't know what to do. I don't have, I don't have anybody. Um, and it's like, if I make it through this, I'm going to tell my story and I'm going to be myself. And so if I'm a good person, this is something that I also, I also said into the ether to whoever was there. Um, and I don't even fully know what I believe right now, but I, I said, if I'm a good person, help me get through this because I'm going to tell my story and I'm going to be myself while I do it. And it was really more of a promise I made to myself um, because I had slipped so far away from who I was in this whole process. It really was, it, it really did not feel safe for me to be me. Um, and so, you know, when I go back and I listen to these first few episodes of the podcast, the person I am now is like, oh, like, oh, I should have left a longer gap there. And, and, oh, maybe like the music should have played for longer before I started speaking. And, and I'm making all of these tweaks as I am now, but I had to stop and think. And I was like, oh my gosh, from that moment where I was on the floor crying because I had nothing to being in a position where there was no publication ban on my name. I was safe. I was a, like, I'm, in a completely new country, which has also been totally liberating and freeing. Um, I was like, I'm so proud of the fact that I went from there to there. And that now, like less than a year later, I'm here. This is so, it's just so remarkable and beautiful. And I, I need to recognize that for myself because if I don't recognize it, I don't know that anybody else, I shouldn't be looking for that sort of that validation outside of myself. Um, but I really, like when I think back to that moment, that breaking moment, like it's not like an obligation, but like being myself and allowing myself to joke about this and be funny and create a situation where I want people to feel like they can participate because for so long, people were too afraid to participate because it made them too uncomfortable. And I was alone. And I don't ever, ever, ever want anybody to be as alone as I was ever again. And so if I can create um, like the podcast, the play, the television pilot, which I know, I know will one day be on Apple TV or Netflix. Um, if I can create something that makes it safe for people to want to engage, then I'm honoring that person who was on her knees, like praying to whoever would hear. But really, like it was like a it was like a prayer to myself, if that makes sense. Like it was, it was like you're not giving up. Like you can do this. And I don't know, I don't know where that strength came from. I think humans are really beautiful creatures and we have so much power and strength within us that we don't give ourselves credit for. And that's really what I want the focus of all my storytelling to be. It's not on what the dude did. It's that after what you did and after I was sort of left on the side of the road bleeding, I didn't die. And I think that that's the more interesting story. And if we can focus on those moments 
And I think people will want to like, people don't want to look now because they, they, they just see the blood, you know, like it's not, it's not nice to look at or hear or engage with, but if it's light and if it's funny, and if I'm saying, no, no, it happened to me, but you're allowed to laugh too, because it, it did also happen to you. Cause I do believe these are community events. They don't just happen to the, the victim. Everybody's affected by it. Um, I think if, if we can start to create things that are like, no, 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 like, like let's make it safe to engage with the subject matter, which is why I love what you're doing with this podcast so much. I'm so honestly, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much. Um, then I, then that's where I think the real change is going to be. Cause really it's, it's not, it's in not being alone anymore. That's it. It's the community, right? And there are so many different types of people who have been victimized by other dudes. And it is so imperative that we platform them and we will all react differently. And, you know, 101 different like cases just ran into my mind. But I'm thinking about one, there's a podcast here called The Teacher's Accuser, which is a follow-on third iteration of The Teacher's Pet, very famous podcast. Um, And there's a secondary, Christopher Dawson, after that was charged with murder and was found guilty ultimately that he did murder his wife, Lynette Dawson, back in 1986 or whatever it was. Um, Since then, he had basically two days after moved his uh, a child from his school that was 15 or 16 at the time into the property and then he's saying that once she became of age, the sexual relationship started and she has now come in and the teacher's trial is about new allegations that that relationship actually did begin when she was a child and she's got a lot of allegations around grooming and things. And a lot of what the journalist stories are around all of that is that, like, her reactions on the stand. So there's journalists basically, recant, like, recounting what she's saying on the stand. And, like, one of the things that was brought up was just, like, you know, it doesn't seem like it really did impact her that much because she went out and hung out with her friends at this place and she had really a lot of fun, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, like, we need to stop this. Um, The moment that somebody is victimised, they are weak, sad little things that, you know, everybody responds differently. And that might be to freeze in the moments after and for you it sounds like as well like from what happened it was like you took a while to get to that breaking point as well it was a lot of things that you had to withstand and go through and deal with and I think it's just like this you almost have to not be happy in any moment until this is all done because if they find out that you smiled once they're going to say that it didn't actually affect you in any way like you're on this ridiculous yeah. behavior ban where you can't do anything. And it's just like, can we stop? We shouldn't be on, you know, if we're going to talk about the criminal system and things like that, then definitely we need to so focus on the fact that the offense is the offense. Your behavior doesn't mean anything in that, but then draw the line in the sand and focus our storytelling, like you said, which I find so empowering on the actions and you and being able to overcome this and talking about these these amazing stories in this way as well because, like, back to that pub chat, this is what we do. Like, I want to have these funny conversations. I want to, like, yeah. I want to cackle and be like, oh, if somebody overheard that, they would say that was fun. Like, like, <laughs> I almost put out my water. Yeah, totally. <laughs> 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. <laughs> but I do actually, like, it was really interesting as you were telling that story, though, as well. I've got, we've got peaches sitting behind you. Do you, oh yeah. Is that um is that a little bit about how you came up with Peaches as a character? And do you mind actually introducing Peaches? Oh yeah, so this is Peaches. Um I could put my hand up inside. He's got something. Actually, it's so funny. I feel like it's so funny when I take it out like it like with his face. Hang on. <laughs> Wait, there's more. <laughs> It's a struggle to get it out. So I actually don't really do the whole ventriloquist thing. Um, he's a character in the television pilot. This is just, it's more fun to be able to have him react if we have somebody actually watching. Um, um, so Peaches is my shadow. And he shows up in the television pilot um, as a part of myself that I throw away. And he's really badass he's funny he's inappropriately funny he's real he's direct he's everything that we celebrate about women on social media but the thing is is that he's adorable and I don't know if if you've dealt with this I'm just taking off my hand Um, but (laughs) in in the past um 
it's very challenging. It was very challenging for me to be taken seriously because I'm five foot three and I'm very cute. Like I'm a very cute person. Um, and I, I don't mean that to like, it's just like physically, like I look like a tiny gnome. Like it's, it's <laughs> so when that kind of power comes out of somebody who looks like they should live in a magical garden, um, it's, it's jarring and people don't take it seriously. And so a lot of my shadow self um, was, it was a combination of, because uh, I find that the shadow self is the parts of you that you hide away, that you don't want people to know exist. And a lot of the parts of myself that I threw away, especially after that one final happening, um, that sort of catapulted me into what I like to refer to as the hell rodeo. <laughs> um, um, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought again. It's like, uh, what was I saying? So funny. So how you came up with the, with the idea for peaches and the. Oh, right, right, right. Four times in my mind. Um, yeah. So, so peaches needed to be totally adorable, but also badass at the same time, because the stuff that I was avoiding about myself weren't necessarily bad things, but they were definitely part of my shadow self to me anyway, because I was pushing them down and repressing it. Um, that sort of like that, like sweet, lovely, like, this is just what I look like. Like if I, it's, I have to be very selective of the dresses I wear because I like will look like a grown up five-year-old, you know, it's, um, um, like certain waistlines, like I, I can't, um, I can't wear if I want to be taken seriously as like a professional businesswoman. Um, and, and then there's that other side of me that's like very direct and inappropriately funny and will make jokes about things and will push the edge. And um, those two things were like the biggest things, like bringing them back were so essential and fundamental in me feeling like myself again. And so peaches just represents all of that for me. Um, and oh, so it's, it's sort of this idea that the shadow self doesn't have to be so scary. Cause I think a lot of times it, it's not like, I think the way we talk about the shadow self is that it's like these dark people or sides of ourselves that come out in the night and like do weird things at 2am. And it, like, for me, that wasn't it it was um it was that like I just have to embrace the fact that I I, I look like a garden gnome and that I can be inappropriate sometimes <laughs> I love the reference to a garden gnome because garden gnomes are the cutest and as a side note I completely forget the Instagram name I will have to find it posted in the show notes of this episode but there is a um there's an account that does garden gnomes as gay garden gnomes like they, they come oh them God, in like amazing glitter beards and it is the coolest thing so I really want one but they're really expensive but they're so cool so I'm thinking like bear garden gnomes as well oh, <laughs> you, oh I want one too yeah. <laughs> yeah we've got like a little I actually have one sitting on the the table here I don't know if you put this on YouTube oh. but here my little um, tiger Sweden garden gnome. So it's <laughs> so cute. My, my affordable version. So I love that. Yeah. Um, 
But you did um, kind of explain before as well, like that you weren't really being yourself through a lot of your experiences. Like you were hiding a little bit of yourself and trying to become this person that wouldn't be hurt. Is that kind of how you came up with the idea of peaches? Like, is because it feels like maybe there's a connection between this shadow self and you maybe having that disconnect. Is there a connection there? Um. I think so in the in the pilot episode of the podcast I had two different characters come up as parts of myself that I threw away. Um and I'm also just really obsessed with puppets, but it was like for me it was that I almost like I didn't feel like a whole person. And so that in order to really fully explain that I had these other um person I don't want to call them personas because it really just they're they're parts of me that I suppressed and sort of like locked in the proverbial basement and fed fish heads to every now and again um um it's it, it more has to do with the fact that I felt like I couldn't be a whole person in order to fully function and survive and create a life in this this world that we currently live in um, that who I was as a whole person was not except it wasn't acceptable. It wasn't socially acceptable. Um, I like who I am. Isn't the kind of person who um, is the kind of person who moves ahead in life or who can aspire to success. And I was taught that by a lot of people. Um, and I was abused so many times I took it on as, as an actual belief um, I think part of that too, like feeling like I needed to separate parts of myself from how I showed up in the world also comes from, um, I didn't grow up in a very safe and loving home. And so I, I grew up knowing that or feeling like there was something wrong with me, um, uh, that, um, there was something about me that was bad um, because of uh, my family situation and how I was treated at home. And I was taught that um, everything that Peaches and the other character um, uh, represented, I was taught that they were bad, but they weren't bad. Um they weren't bad at all. And so my relationship to these parts of myself, which are the parts of myself that I think make me a more interesting whole person. Um, I, I was really just taught to be ashamed of, of it, um, of that, that part of me. Um, and so a lot of it actually stems back to my childhood and, you know, um, you know, when I called out my, if I ever called out my alcoholic parent, I would be punished severely. And so that part of me that called out the truth um, was abused and bad. But calling out the truth isn't actually a bad thing. Is that? Yeah. No, I think, I think it sounds so, it's just so amazing because I think why I find it so creative as well because like all of that makes perfect sense to me, but it just feels like you've been able to cha channel like some of those 
what you might see yourself as less desirable qualities or things that society says isn't ladylike, for example, that you've been able to channel it into this character and you've been able to kind of like openly put that out there as something separate to you but is you. And I think that's just so cool. And I think like as the concept as well, like I think the concept is just so creative and I just love as well that you don't give a fuck and you're doing your best to do something that you want to do. Like I, and so many people deal with that imposter syndrome and it's just like, even down to the level of kind of saying, should I start doing some cooking TikToks because I like cooking on the weekend and people are like, no, no, I can't do that. I'm not, you know, it's just stuff like that. And it's just like, we need to just stop caring what people think so much and doing what we want to do. Because once we like leave that other people's opinions behind, it's stuff like this that can be created that is just so creative and so different and so engaging and it's just going to be so wonderful for such a different cohort of people and I just love the fact that you've kind of left that self-doubt and just gone fuck it I'm going to have some fun with this like I'm going to laugh my way through and I'm going to be laughing all the way to Netflix (laughs) oh thank you I so appreciate you I mean I definitely have moments of doubt and I definitely have moments where I need validation that comes from outside of me um I, I can't say that I'm without those things, but um, it, it does, it, 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 I do have to sort of like have these moments. My husband's really awesome because he'll get me out of my way, own way. Um, although he just actually sent me like the most adorable text message. Um, <laughs> as I said that. Um, yeah, he re- he's really great at getting me out of my own way. Um, and I think uh, honestly, what has been the biggest game changer for me and getting to that point of just saying, fuck it, I'm going to just do it is the fact that the new community I've been able to build and the friends I have in my life and the, the network I've been able to create um, after everything has been fundamental, absolutely fundamental. Um, I really believe that if I had one friend one friend who really stood by me. Um, and like, I had friends who sh- showed up um, and did some very um, avant-garde things for the year 2014 when it came to rape culture. Um, but I, I stopped being invited to parties. Uh, I wasn't, people didn't want other people to know that they were still friends with me is the feeling that I got after the whole thing went down. Um, but if I had one person who was still proud to be my friend, I don't think that I would have gone through any of what I went through. I think that we really discount what it means to have community support and what it means to have people in your corner. Um, like when, when I was getting ready to launch chapter seven, it took me four months to, to write and record and, and edit the whole thing. And I sent it to um, four different girlfriends and they all read it and, or not read it. They listened to it um, and gave me the most incredible feedback. And were like, put it online. It's, it's safe for you to put online. Uh, You handle everything with grace um, and it's powerful, like do it. And if, if it wasn't for them, I would probably still be, wondering whether or not I should do it. Um, I'm really not doing this alone anymore. And that is why I'm able to do it. 
Yeah, because it takes a community and that's the so important in having that community. And I, I absolutely hate the reference that people make to, you know, don't let one bad apple spoil it. And it's just like the whole saying is one bad apple spoils the bunch. And I, often I feel like that's the case, right? And sometimes you'll have the, the more toxic person in inverted commas within a friendship group, but you've got a bunch of other people that won't stick up for you or other people around you. And they're not people that you want in your life anyway. And, you know, my friendship groups have drastically changed since high school. There's a lot of people that I went to school with that I grew up with or that I became friends with after that I no longer speak to. And it's not to say that they weren't important in my life, but those were a lot of the feelings that I was having as well. I was just like, I feel like I'm, you know, Rose from Titanic here where I'm standing in the middle of the room screaming and nobody can hear me. And that feeling of loneliness in friendship should not be there. The feeling of community and support is what you should have at all times. And you should be able to be vulnerable and ask questions and have a cry. You know, I called one of the survivors that's been on this podcast recently the other day. We've become quite good friends. Oh, I, I love a, that. I just had a big old cry and I just said, look, sometimes things get real hard and I feel like I have to hold it all in. And she was just amazing at like, having such a wonderful and open chat with me, but I felt like I could do that because there's community there. It's not like a transactional relationship. And I'd rather have no friends than a fucking community that makes you feel like shit about yourself or gives you that doubt or doesn't stand up for you. Like saying nothing is doing something as well. Oh, I think that in, um, I actually talk about this in the final episode of, of the first season of the podcast um, and that inaction is just as much um, like an like an active act of um, it's funny. So I, I really believe that in order for like apologies to be real, there's a word that the Catholics have just sort of made um, horrific and it's sin. And I take the heart of that word and I just put it in drag and I made up the word you invite. So to invite against somebody is to actively choose whether it's by an action or an inaction to do something that's going to change somebody's life for the worse, where you know it's going to change and you know this and you still choose to go through with it anyway. And inaction is just as big a you invite as um as an action, I believe. Like I believe that it is it is something that we need to start recognizing as, um, as violence. It is but not it like, is. it's not like, it's not like violence, but it's still violence. You know, it's. Well, I mean, uh, in Australia, allowing somebody to commit a crime while you know that it's happening is a violent offense. Like there are, just because you're not the ones with your hands on the gun, for example, does not mean that you're just an innocent bystander. And, you know, it's the the power of people, like it, it takes power to stand up for def, for things and it can be really difficult as well. But like there's a saying and I can't remember what it is. Oh, I'll have to remember it. It just popped into my mind and then it left. It's basically, it's just like, um, like the, the evil is only as powerful as the good or good is only something. 
No, I, I know remember. exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's um, like I really like how I, I said earlier that this like these are community events. It's I think people really love to underestimate their role within a community mm-hmm. um, because nobody likes to be the responsible one. Um, and turning a blind eye, like I think we've gotten to a point where it's completely unacceptable. Unacceptable. It's like we can't we can't be turning a blind eye to things anymore. Um, it's it's not okay. But so it, it has been socially acceptable for so long that it's sort of reached this new height where it's like, wait, but you knew, but you didn't do anything. But now it's whose fault? Like not yours. Yeah. And I remember calling that out once to my old group of friends and I said, we hadn't caught up in a long time and we had a few drinks and I brought it up because I was a bit drunk and emotional. And one of the girls said to me, um, I knew this was going to come up and she rolled her eyes um, because she knew that oh, how upset I'd oh. been and she knew that it did affect me. And, you know, she basically said something along those lines, like, what, what do you want me to do about it? And it was just like, you know, you've got an opportunity here where your friend is sitting in front of you crying. Your friend, in inverted commas, is sitting in front of you crying. You know, you could do so much about it. And, you know, maybe you're a person that's listening to this and you're thinking of a situation now where you should have done something more. The door's not always fully closed. You know, you can always reach out to people and say that you're thinking about these things or that there's other stuff going on. And, you know, whether you call police anonymously via the you know, crime stoppers because you're worried about retaliation. Like there's always ways to do things that don't mean that you have to be the one that is facing, you know, you can do a lot of different things, whether it be someone's in danger, somebody's experienced something, somebody needs to be stood up for. There's so much that you can do in between that as well. Like I just... I think you and I are quite similar to them. We were laughing about this the other week. Like I think we're quite little power pocket tinkerbell you know <laughs> women they're yeah. just so tiny <laughs> but we've got like the loudest voices in the room which is like how did that noise come from such a small lady <laughs> i know yeah yeah you'd expect it. <laughs> literally yes. Yes. <laughs> so light and high-pitched it doesn't even register like it's like a dog whistle yeah yeah it's just it's stuff like that as well and I think like we've it's almost hard for us to comprehend that there's another personality that wouldn't call it out because it's so natural and instinctive to just be like that's unacceptable yeah it's I don't and I, I have I have another theory about it and I think it's that um you know, like growing up, like when I would call out my alcoholic parent, um, like I became the bad one. Um, and it's this, I think as humans, we have this very deep rooted fear about being bad and we don't want to be the bad one. Um, we don't want to cause trouble. We don't want to stir things up. And I think that we do a lot to avoid being bad. Um, and I think I think I'm just going to steer us in a a tiny different direction for a hot minute. I think part of the reason why it's so hard for people in communities to stand up and say something, because when these things happen within communities, it's usually with two people, you know, 
and you love both of them. But if you admit that you love the person who did the, the act of violence, then you're saying you're bad. So you have to just make the person who was the receiver of the violence bad so that you can still be friends with this. Like, so you don't have to enter a complicated situation. I think it's just all a really bizarre dance around making sure that you're not the bad one. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think also sometimes it just means that there's going to be actions for you to take. Like you're going to actually have to do something. For example, you're going to actively have to tell this person that they're not welcome at a number of different events because of that. Or you're going to have to stop being friends with them. Or like there might be consequences for you in order to push this further forward. And there is something interesting in that because, you know, one in 10 men, for example, will be a sex offender. One in 10. And when you think about that, it's just like how many guys in the guys group would would ever A, call it out, the standard guys group, um, and B, how many times has there been actual allegations and that their instinct is to kind of go, nah, that's bullshit. Or, and that's even happened with women in my life. I'm not saying this is just about men. There's been a lot yeah. of things that have happened where there's been things that have been said, even court cases, and the friendship group is not willing to cop that they have to change anything because of what happened because they don't feel like they're involved. So it's like, I'm not involved. It's not my place. Um, just between them. Yeah. yeah. He said, and it's just like, no, you can't actively um, not stick up for somebody in that situation. I mean, for me personally, that's, that's, a, that's just as bad. Accepting and allowing people to continue to come and, things like that that people see as minor inconveniences to their lives, saying, no, this guy who's been accused of an offence, for example, is not welcome at my house party. I might personally go and have a beer with him one-on-one, but he's not coming to this group event because there's going to be other people there and I wouldn't want to feel responsible for their safety or something. like. But that's an action that they would have to take and possibly something they might have to miss out on and an awkward conversation that they might need to have. And it's all just too much easier to just say, look, he's going to be there. Just avoid him. I know. I know. And I think, I think you really hit the nail on the head there when you said like, you can go out for a beer with him one-on-one after, but he can't come to the party. And it's that nobody is asking you to stop loving this person who did the thing that was violent. Like nobody is saying that you're bad for loving them, but there just is a different responsibility. And I really wish, and and part of my hope in, in this, really my social experiment to help try and redirect the conversation is that um, like, why can't we get to a point as a community where we say, wow, we allowed this to happen under our own noses. What do we have to do in order to make sure that the people who we love aren't hurt. And how do we need to change to make sure that we don't encourage violence? And it's because it, it is, it's a, a huge community act. And we, like, we all have responsibility to make sure that um, we keep each other. I, I don't have any other way to say this, but to keep each other in check because people are going to, people are human. They're going to slip up. People are going to like, like shit happens and then people make bad decisions. I'm not saying that that's, I'm not making an excuse for like a, like an act of violence, but I'm just saying like, 
people aren't perfect and people do make mistakes and they do make really horrible decisions. And I think, I think that there, there does need to be a way in which a community finds a way to make sure that everybody within it is safe, but also like, what is the right way for somebody who's created committed an act of violence? Like what is the right way to rehabilitate them? Because a lot of these people are loved. Like in my story, the dude, fen- phenomenal actor, charismatic, charismatic as all hell. Like it was impossible not to adore this person, but he was problematic. But because you could adore him, everybody turned a blind eye to the problematic behavior and nobody, nobody loved him enough to sit him down and say, you can't do this. And the more people allowed his problematic behavior to continue, because a lot of it wasn't illegal. He was just being a douchebag. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's a there's a huge difference between being a douchebag and then committing a federal offense. Like it's not yeah. it's not the same thing. But yeah. I think because nobody was stopping him, he just kept testing his boundaries. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I got away with that. Well, like, what more can I get away with? And what more can I get away with? And what more can I get away with? And the com- I really believe that the community allowed that to happen. And I'm more angry with them than I am with him because he was testing his boundaries within a community of people that allowed his behavior to exist. Yeah. And it's those communities that need to hold a mirror up to offenders like that and say, you know, we, we know what you've done. We can see you for exactly who you are and exactly what you are. We're here to make it awkward enough for you to stop or to work with you on it. Like that's where a lot of community can be so helpful to these people. I'm not saying that people who've offended need to live out existence in isolation while some offenders definitely should be. I'm not a corporal punishment. I mean, some, some should, some, I mean, there's no, the people they make movies about need to be in isolation. (laughs) Something something really creative. Like I think about like really annoying things, like being perpetual states of like not having the tray in the microwave. Like, in a perpetual state of just utter inconvenience. Like, that's what I want somebody to live in. Like, the, there are absolutely no batteries in the world and you can't turn the TV on. It's like something, like, all of these minor inconvenience. There's some things I think about. You I'm can like, only oh, make left turn. Yeah, totally. <laughs> just like. <laughs> it's going to take me 40 this- minutes to get there because I have to only make left turns. I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't, I've lost my right to make turns. I've lost my right to make rights. Oh my god! <laughs> There's so many like creative ways, and like I don't believe in the death penalty because I just I think we've there's too much of a chance for somebody to not be guilty. And I'm not saying in any case that I believe that, but the justice system isn't perfect, as we all know. So there is that. But yeah, I just feel like there's so much that we can do as a community as well to stop people offending or to help them understand their errors or work differently. Like it's kind of like an us and them thing, I feel. You know, an offender is somebody, that's them. We don't know offenders. We would never do that. We're good people. And it's just like, okay, well, this person chose to do some horrible things. If you just pretend that it didn't happen, they're never going to learn from that. 
you know, whether they go to prison or not, which most of the time they bloody don't. So, yeah, no, I just, it's an interesting thing to think about what it could look like if communities responded with maybe love. Yeah, honestly, I do, I do think a lot of this just isn't, I don't want to, I don't want to get new agey about this, but like, there is like an, like the absence of, of love. And I think I get a bit concerned when people are like, oh, well, I have a different definition of love. I think that as the world is becoming more international and more global, I think that we do have to have a little bit more of a unified perspective on what the definition of love is. Mm. Um, because sometimes loving somebody is saying like, you're acting like a douchebag. You need to stop. Couldn't agree more. That is um, love. You're doing something but, that I'm seeing as yeah. harmful. It's harming you. It's harming others. That is love. I think that too. I don't mean love. Yeah. It's always just like roses and flowers and hugs and, you know, <laughs> it's not always that. I think golden aura or whatever. Like it's not. Yeah. yeah it's, it's. Love can be caring about somebody's well being and the impact that they have on others. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's. I mean, I, I feel like we have a lot of work to do, but I, I'm so, I'm just so excited. We just had this conversation because it's like, it feels, it feels so rare. Yeah. What a great platform you've created. This was such a treat. Thank you. It's so nice. And it's nice to have some laughs along the way as well. And just to talk about real things in a way that, you know, we're real people navigating real problems and trying to do different things about it. And I think it's really cool. Um and I think, you know, creating different ways to look at the issue of being victimized by somebody is important too. And one of the things that so many people say, even professionals, um, you know, will be that they've got a dark sense of humor and they're never making fun of the victims, you know, but no. we'll have a laugh together about something. And it, it's just like, why, why do we hide that so much? We need to be able to like having a dark sense of humor is not laughing at somebody's assault. Having a dark sense of humor is being able to take some of your own experiences most of the time and laugh about some of the circumstances surrounding them. Um, and I think that's just so important that we've, with what you've done and what you will continue to do, it's just Thank a reframing you. and it's giving another door, like opening another door where another bunch of people are going to come in and access at least the beginnings of this content. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I'm excited. I have no idea what the reception is going to be, but I'm really excited about it. Well, we're going to post um, everything that we can to support you as oh, well. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I have, um, I created um, a video, like along with the GoFundMe, um, if if people feel like it's this is something they want to support, because it is um, um, like flying across the world to get to Vancouver to do this show. Um uh, and it explains my intentions. So it's, um, it's, it's cute. And Peaches gets a lot of airtime. So it's, um, it, it's, I mean, if you're not watching it for me, watch it for him. So. <laughs> so I, we haven't like, I don't know if we explain Peaches enough, but you will see Peaches of Peaches if you're on social yeah, media. Um, but yes, it is. It is amazing and we'll post everything. I'll post a link to the GoFundMe as well. And I really encourage, I mean, if you do have a spare five bucks, you know, or if you want to give up a coffee this week, um, 
just show some support so that we can get some, you know, it's always supporting the arts as well, I think. Getting some money and revenue back into some more independent level activities I think is is really exciting and hopefully you'll be over here for the Fringe Festival, right? Yeah, I'm hoping for uh, 2024. So I'll be in Melbourne then. So fingers, fingers crossed. Yeah. Let's hope in the meantime that somebody picks up Reclaim Me for Netflix as well. Um, oh, and I'll be, I'll be there to I know. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> create some sort of hybrid something or other. I just, I, I always grew up wanting to be Jennifer Aniston in Friends and sadly that didn't happen. And all of a sudden I'm 30 and I'm just like, maybe, time, maybe I can be a TV star <laughs> just by being myself. <laughs> I think so. I'd watch your show. <laughs> I feel like you'd be a really excellent late night television host. <laughs> that is the biggest compliment I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, I think you'd really crush it. I got told and the I other love, day, I'm... speaking of um Jim Carrey, somebody was like, Maddie, your face like moves so much when you talk. And I was like, are you calling me old? <laughs> are you saying that my wrinkles are moving on my face in real time? I was like, what oh my the? Gosh. I'm like, like looking at my face. I was like, wow. It's like time has come for me. I am not in my 20s anymore. I mean, I don't look bad, but I'm like, I'm like, there's starting to be like those lines by my lips. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I, I went to get my um my like eyebrows threaded the other day and I realized how much tighter I had to pull my skin. <laughs> it's just sagging. Your eyebrows look fierce though. Like they look really good. So <laughs> thank you. But it's so true. When you when you said age came came for me, I just imagined like death <laughs> but but it's like betty a little white. Pain oh <gasps> betty white would be like the most lovely version yeah. i feel like you're like yes come for me i'm i'm all for it i feel like we'd be happier with aging if if we just approached her like at betty white literally like golden girls like <laughs> she's just sitting there and she's oh, just yeah. like welcome to the club girlfriend <laughs> Yes, my fucks have gone out the window. (laughs) All of my G strings, we're burning them. You know, all of that. We're we're going straight into our forties, fifties, sixties, and beyond, and we're just going to be hot badass bitches that enjoy each other's time. Spinsters, yeah, spinsters eating cheesecake. I am all for it. I really want to do like a, I feel like that's a really good t-shirt idea is death, but Betty White and it's aging. I, I honest, I would buy one. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it has, it's been such, such a lovely time chatting with you. And I, I hope to have you back again soon so that we can hear how your adventures have gone. Um, we will share everything that we possibly can as well to support you in any way possible. Um, I mm-hmm. hope that everybody listening goes and has a listen to the podcast as well because, I know, as we've said, we both think it's so important to be able to have a few laughs and to have a a really good uh, different approach to navigating these discussions. So I hope that people can listen and have a good time with that. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we wrap up? 
No, I just um, want to wish everyone the absolute best navigating this incredibly intense planet that we're all living on right now. It's not easy times out there. So, no, and I encourage everybody to try and share a little bit of you know, not only support, but laughter and joy as well as much as you can. You know, sending a good old reel or a meme or sending someone a funny message or giving someone a buzz and telling them a funny story is is also support to is also forms of support and care. Absolutely. You can't go wrong with a funny gift. It's <laughs> sometimes Absolutely. the most healing thing. Yeah, totally. When you said before, um, you made a reference to fish heads, like feeding the the dark person with fish oh, heads. Yeah. Is that was that a Simpsons reference? Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy you caught that. I make a Simpsons reference actually in um chapter three. And nobody's it's caught Bart's, it yet. It's Bart's evil twin. And I was just like yeah, in is... the Halloween episodes. Yeah, yeah totally. That is yeah. so funny. That's why I laughed and I was just like, maybe she didn't mean it to be as funny as I thought. No, no, I'm really was... like it really is a Simpsons reference. Oh, I'm so happy you caught that. From the yeah, age no... so. <laughs> uh and I literally like chapter three is called Lionheart based on Lisa Lionheart, the oh. the Barbie thinks. <laughs> what what is Malibu Stacy's day in the beginning? I I don't have thoughts. I'm just a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Let's solve all our problems with a big bowl of strawberry ice cream. <laughs> when I grow up, I'm keeping my own last name. That's Lisa Lionheart. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, oh, I love her so much. That is so funny. I'm such a big Simpsons fan. And when I heard you say that, I, was like, I didn't know if I didn't know if I could love you anymore, but obviously it just happened. Okay, well, we're <laughs> getting together and watching The Simpsons and the Golden Girls, and it's just decided. So Oh, I can't wait. There's gonna be so much popcorn and so many belly laughs. I'm coming makeup oh, free. Wait. I know. <laughs> I already have my track pants picked out. Yeah, it's gonna be tears of laughter, so I can't wait. <laughs> beautiful well thank you so much and um thank you all for listening to reclaim me thank you for listening to this episode if you do need help or support please reach out to those crisis services or suggested resources in the show notes for this episode have a look after yourself and make sure that you're doing and taking the time that you need to process the information or to process anything that may have come up that was triggering for you Lastly, I do have one ask. Can you please take the time to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any platform that you listen to Reclaim Me on? This helps tremendously with me reaching additional people and making sure that we get the word out there that there is no shame or stigma that should be associated with being a victim of these crimes. If you could also share this podcast with somebody you may know, as you may not be a survivor yourself, but you sure as hell know one. Thank you again. Bye. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.